1: Stocks for beginners. Phil Muscatello and Finpods are authorized reps of Money Sherpa. The information in this podcast is general in nature and doesn't take into account your personal situation when you talk about trust, the, the what I was thinking of was like how often we get money advice from people who aren't qualified to give it to us. There's a lot of people that when they get a financial planner, they go to their friends for recommendations, but their friends don't know any more than they do. Just do you like the guy? Yeah. Okay. I'll trust him. Mm-hmm. That, that's, the, that's the amount of research that people do. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of insane to me, but I mean, it just speaks to our ignorance. I mean, like I wasn't too far removed from making mistakes like that uh, probably much uh, much more recent than 15 years in my case. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Hi, and welcome back to Stocks for Beginners. I'm Phil Muscatello. This episode is a little departure from normal transmission. I was inexplicably invited back to the Two Bulls in a China Shop microphone. I love these guys. This is one of their After Dark episodes where we eventually talk about investing. Kyle Hedman is a self-employed trader and co-host of the Two Bulls in a China Shop podcast. His trading strategies include futures swing and options trades with a focus on chart analysis he began his journey to becoming a full-time trader with an investment mindset and the goal of early retirement from his career i hope you find it a bit of fun we all have to laugh at our mistakes it's better than crying take it away kyle
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The China Shop. Joining me today is the philanthropic and fastidious Phil Muscatello, host of Shares, Stocks, and ETFs for Beginners, and self-appointed fifth most popular podcast guest on Tubal's history. And that's three separate podcasts, by the way. If you'd like to learn more about Phil, make sure you check out his website at sharesforbeginners.com, or you just load up one of those three podcasts I mentioned. We'll have links for all that in the episode description. And if you want to reach out with any suggestions, corrections, or questions for future guests, you can do that via email at twobowls at financialindeptitude.com or join our free Discord server where a bunch of amazing people gather to share our struggles and lessons learned with other like-minded market aficionados. So we will have all those links in the episode description so you can peruse them at your convenience. And then now without any further ado, let's, uh, let's check in with Phil. How are you doing today, bud?
2: Always good. Uh, as I like to say, um, it's I'm going downhill, one ski, no poles. <laughs> Situation normal. So is there a lot of
1: skiing in Australia?
2: Uh, there is, yeah, but um, only in one particular part. We've got these um, mountains down the south that uh, people go to, but a lot of people go to New Zealand because the skiing apparently is awesome there.
1: I don't ski. I never thought of New Zealand as being a touristy spot either. I thought there was way more sheep there than anything else. Oh, no, no. It's an incredible place to go to.
2: Really? Yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful, absolutely beautiful country with glaciers and um, uh, kind of Swiss-style mountain lodges and things like that. No, it's wonderful.
1: Australia has always been on my wish list of places I want to go visit. Uh, I, don't, I wanted to live there at one point, but, uh, mm. you know, you get married and somebody has kids in the U.S. and suddenly you can't just leave the States anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get stuck there. But, um, if well, Please, come to Sydney, and I'll show you the real Sydney. Oh, <laughs> you really? Might get
2: just, you'll get the tourist stuff, but I can show you the real stuff as well, which is... Uh, I don't know, you know, know
1: if I can hang with the, uh, Australians <laughs> anymore. I think maybe 10 years ago, I might have been a lot better suited.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry. We, do, we don't drink as much as you think. <laughs>
1: no, okay. Okay, fair we, we
2: just like to create that impression. <laughs> what did you do last night? Well, no, I didn't drink that much. <laughs> I did trivia at the Bald Rock Hotel.
1: <laughs> oh, I love trivia.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, we've been going, there's a group of us have been going, going for well, well over 10 years now. And
1: um, Has everything kind of gotten back to normal for you guys after COVID?
2: Oh, I think it was pretty normal most of the time. I know everyone in America's got this idea that we were like a prison here in Australia, but let me tell you, here in Sydney, um, mm-hmm. there was lockdowns and so forth, but, um, you know, there was always ways around it. I mean, that mm-hmm. local pub that I was at last night had a, um, they did takeaways. And there was a park nearby the pub Mm -hmm. and during the lockdown, we were just going and getting takeaway beers, hanging in the park, (laughs) (laughs) overlooking the harbour and uh, drinking. And someone, some wag said, you know, well, you know, we were right when we were 15 years old, drinking outdoors is the way to do it. I know, right? Mm.
1: Much Mm. better ambiance. I bet that was actually a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, it was great fun. It was absolutely great fun. So yeah. Don't worry about us down here,
1: down under. <laughs> yeah. <where we're>, like, <laughs> <laughs> so, what else have you been up to since we last checked? I think we I think we looked it up before we started. He said it was what August of twenty two. So, that's the last time we, we spoke. Yeah, yeah. So, it's most about a year. people
2: people wouldn't uh, remember, but um, well, a lot of what I've been doing is laying back in a warm and comfortable two bull bathtub, soaking in the vibe. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have something to talk about to you, with you, Kyle. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I'm a
1: shower guy, personally. <laughs> I do like a good bath every now and then, though.
2: Yeah, yeah. Now, well, um, well, one of the things that happened was, of course, we were interacting on Twitter and mm. uh, having a yeah, on yeah. Twitter. And um, I had one of my recent posts go viral. Well, as viral as any of my posts have ever gone. I think I got 5,000 views. Oh,
0: and wow. Did was, that well?
2: Yeah, yeah, because I follow, I love history, and I was following this uh, medievalist, and she posts significant um, saints days, you know, from ancient Anglo-Saxon saints. (laughs) And um, she said she did the St. Dunstan, one of the great saints of Anglo-Saxon England who died in 988, a multi-talented archbishop, statesman, musician, metal worker, and devil fighter. And so I just retweeted and said, I wish this was on my LinkedIn bio.
1: Oh, yeah, I saw that. I couldn't help myself. I thought you were just talking about the wording. So you know what I did is I, I looked up your LinkedIn profile. I I Thank it you in very much. Yeah. I put it in a chat GPT and I just said, make this sound medieval. That's all I did.
2: <laughs> and then you did the one about uh, you guys being gunslingers.
1: Yeah, that one was, oh, I've actually kind of, I was tempted to switch mine over for that, maybe just for the month, see how it goes.
2: See <laughs> <laughs> so if you get any more engagement. But how impressive is ChatGPT? It is impressive. I've been doing, actually, I shouldn't uh, announce it here live, but I've been using it quite a bit for writing blog posts. It's not so much for, for letting it write for you, but just giving you um, some bulk to work on, to edit. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, put it in your own voice. It,
1: it, that, I think that's how it, I think that's how it works the best is when you have mm. like a, a, like your version. You stick it in, and say, make this look better. Mm. <laughs> it yeah, just spits yeah, out right. a polished version with footnotes and
2: yeah. Or if, if if you just want to need some headline headlines or some um, you know quick bullet points, things like that. It's great for doing it. But it's, it's definitely not my kind of language. It's not the language that I would
1: normally use. No, you don't and use um, a lot of verilies. I, I, and-
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, yeah,
2: it, it does. But it's always like, you know, it'll start a sentence. On the other hand, you've got to get rid of
1: all of that uh, interstitial shit. Well, know? I mean, who knew Chat GPT didn't want to be so non, uh, oh, what's the word? Using the passive yes, voice, yes, the pa- as, uh, us linguists, thank we'll you. Say. That's it, yes. You're not supposed to do that when you're uh, when you're writing blog posts,
2: <laughs> that's right. But I, listen, I just wanted to get back to that um, Twitter thread that went um, viral. Um, <laughs> as a piece of social media marketing, it was absolutely totally useless because I, you think, oh, you know, I got plenty of uh, retweets and likes and everything, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um. I don't think there's a Venn diagram that actually shows any overlap between the Fintwit community, financial Twitter, and the medievalist Twitter <laughs> <laughs> community because the people that were retweeting and liking it were librarians, historians, and medievalists. Right. So, yeah, that's the kind of um,
1: search. See, but that's how I do. Social media marketing. That's, <laughs> that's how I do mine too, yep. though. I mean, I don't know. I can't get behind the – I can't do anything that I genuinely don't find interesting or funny. You know what I mean? hmm like I have to stay mm. kind of true to myself to not feel slimy when I'm posting on Twitter. Mm. It's, it's I think it's um someone
2: someone described Twitter to me. It's like LinkedIn is the conference and Twitter is the bar afterwards. Oh. <laughs> Once you accept that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it seems reasonable. So what's FinTwit in that equation then? Um FinTwit is
2: just a wonderful, lovely, supportive <clears throat> Humorous. I mean, I get so many laughs out of FinTwit, you know. John W. Rich, Greg. Do you know Greg? <laughs> uh uh-uh, uh. Uh uh. Oh, you got to follow Greg, one of the highlights of uh, Twitter, FinTwit.
1: I stay off of that one. I thought I, I've heard it was as bad as Wall Street Bets. Um, no, uh, no, well, you've just got to, area. it there. It's about curating your feed, basically. Ah. Uh, yeah. What was the name? Greg. <laughs> just Greg. <laughs> <laughs> just Greg. <laughs> Okay, you just gotta follow Greg on Finn Twitch. He's famous now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I love
2: it. Hang on a sec. Let, let, let me just see if I can find his handle. And Elon follows oh, him no. now as well. They've become. Uh, Has Elon completely yeah. lost his mind? Oh no, I don't think so. I think. Uh, Did you see his? Now Greg is. Hang on, Greg. This is his um, profile. I'm Greg. I like football and stocks and my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Kentucky. I'm a investor. I like to golf at the golf course. <laughs> oh God, I
1: love Greg. Yes, I want more Greg.
2: <laughs> yeah. Do you think um, Do you think Elon's losing it? I um, I don't mind. I'm enjoying the whole journey. I've got to say.
1: Well, I mean, when he went all the last thing I saw him on the headlines for was claiming that work for, remote work was immoral, mm, and mm. I feel like that that argument is such a stretch. There's and so many things coming... that he says.
2: I know. Sorry, go on. Go yeah. On.
1: But when he also when he's coming at it from the point of view as somebody who owns a large EV company that's Mm. trying to convince people to not stay home and drive to work, yeah, (laughs) like that. Just there's something that seems a little off about that.
2: Yeah. Oh no, there's plenty of things, and the the way he manipulates the share price as well, all of that.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah.
2: But then on the other hand, I mean, he's a mad genius. (laughs) Let's face it.
1: But is he though, or is it just? Like what was the show? Have you watched that station or Avenue five on HBO max? Mm, no, no, that's that HBO max comes on a cable network
2: here in Australia, which I don't pay for.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think like the, the main like business CEO or guy who owns the whole, uh, spaceship and that whole show, mm, um, mm. is just a complete nutter moron, but <laughs> he tells people to do things and thinks he's smart because he tells people to do it and they go do it. (laughs) I feel like Elon is some of the same of that. (laughs) What's, what's the name of the show? Uh, Avenue five. I think it is. It's got Hugh Laurie in it. It's actually a pretty good show. Only had a couple of seasons. Yeah.
2: Hugh Laurie, who everyone thinks is American until he opens his mouth, and they realise he's English.
1: Oh well, that's because they didn't watch Stephen Fry. Uh, <laughs> that's right, a little bit, <laughs> a bit of, Fry of Fry and Laurie. Laurie. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: You yeah. seem to like you seem to like a lot of the uh, English comedy. I've heard you mention uh, oh, some other things yeah. in QI. You mentioned as well. The, i forget, enjoying that I love show. QI,
1: um, mm-hmm. Taskmaster with uh, mm-hmm. Greg Davies and uh, mm-hmm. little Alex Horn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what was the other? Oh, uh, would I lie to you? I've been getting into that one recently too with David. Would Mitchell I lie to
2: you? That's amazing. That's such a great show, and, isn't um, it? Um, it's it's one of my favorites. And the the interesting thing is, I heard an interview, a podcast interview with Paul McCartney, who mentioned that that's his favorite show, and he thinks Lee Mack is a genius. And then on the I, same <laughs> podcast, they had Lee <laughs> Mack on as well, talking about how it felt to be discussed that way by Paul McCartney. <laughs>
1: What did Lee say?
2: Um, He he found it strange. I mean, you know what he's like. On this podcast, he was actually a lot more serious than you'd expect him to be. Really? um, Yeah, he's a very spiritual guy. He's a Buddhist, very highly educated. Um, But he he was just talking about how he can't understand how anyone else is not getting the the jokes around him or not creating the jokes. His mind is working so fast Mm -hmm. that it's like he's going at, um, you know, uh,
1: relativistic speed against right. anyone else. <laughs> I've felt like that occasionally. I've made a few jokes that don't land because they're just a little bit too, <laughs> little too in the weeds. That's right. Oh, Don't we all? I know. <laughs> but you've
2: got to try a joke, don't you?
1: <laughs> I, I mean, if it makes me laugh, that's my only, that's mm. the only thing I ever care about. In fact, I actually love it when a joke misses completely and you have that awkward moment of like looking at someone waiting for their reaction They like, don't get it <laughs> uh, i don't know there's something that i kind of like about that <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah well i get that with my wife all the time you know she, oh i do yeah, she's too, heard yeah. that one yeah although a couple yeah. of weeks ago i told a joke and she um she laughed so much at it and why haven't you ever told me that one before and, oh, <laughs> i'd forgotten i knew it <laughs> <laughs> how long have you been married um we got married in 2009 14 years oh dang
1: yeah, yeah think, we got married I in I we Italy. just hit 10 this year. Wow, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. We, mm. Neither of us even know when our anniversary is. I think one of our kids texts us every now and then to let <laughs> us know. <laughs> Incurable romantics, obviously. Right? Ah, yeah. She's never been big on dates. Mm, mm. Oh, that's Plus, like, I, it's lucky for me that we get along so well because, you know, we both work from home now, so we see each other constantly. Same here, basically. Yeah, we both work from home. Uh, did i tell you i was in the military you did yeah and and, um because
2: this is what i wanted getting to the military theme i wanted to talk about eric Smolinski. and i was going to ask you about
1: your military before we do that real quick i just wanted to say something about relationships in the military (laughs) okay yep yep okay so Uh
2: yeah relationships in the military
1: yeah so uh because you're constantly going on deployment a lot the divorce rate when people get out of the military actually skyrockets because you're not used to like being around the person that you've married for the last 20 years, like constantly. Mm, yeah. Oh, well, I could well imagine. Like you almost have to completely live, like learn how to live together again. Well, that's part of
2: the theme of that uh, American Sniper book and movie, isn't it?
1: Oh, you know, I don't know that I've seen that. Is that oh, any haven't good? you?
2: Yeah. Well, yeah, I think so. Yeah.
1: All right. I've, I've seen it pop up, but I just haven't picked it up. Anyway, sorry, yeah. what were you saying
2: about Eric? Yeah, Eric Smilinski. Um It just mm, comes yes. because um, he's been a guest on my podcast, and, well, and I, I listened to uh, an episode with Eric on yours. And um, what a guy. Isn't he a great, mm-hmm. fun guy, sort of humble? I mean, you know, he goes and buys McLarens, not Lambos, apparently.
1: <laughs> he does, but, uh, I mean, I don't know. He's doing it the way – he's not doing it in a flashy way, which is
2: mm, kind of mm.
1: cool to see. Like, he's just enjoying the fruits of his labors. And that's kind of the name of the game, right?
2: Yeah, that's right. But he's he's enjoying the fruits of his labor, and he's trying to teach it and talk about it. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about trading, but uh, he doesn't ignore the fact that um, the the best investing strategy for the majority of people is to get dollar cost average over a long period of time in a low cost yes. ETF. You know, he doesn't really ignore that side of things, which a lot of traders seem to be, or people who are selling. Trading systems,
1: oh yes, seem to be overlooking. Yeah, they they talk about uh, how quickly you can make thousands of dollars with no money down, and mm, you are mm. going to be, you know, dump trucks of cash will be backing up to your house, and all yeah. you have to do is is work for five minutes every every three days, and and you'll be mm-hmm. set for life. Yeah, no, no, no. He just, Yeah, he yeah, he's very honest about like what actually goes into what he does and what you have to do in order to be able to mimic it. And it's refreshing to hear somebody take that kind of honest approach, right?
2: Mm-hmm. That's right. And it's also about that military discipline. I mean, he's a Marine or he's an ex-Marine. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. You, know, you think about the kind of training that those guys go through and the discipline they have and that they bring into their lives as well. And um, I don't know about you, it makes me feel like an underachiever, <laughs> you know?
1: <laughs> well, it makes it even worse for me because I was in the Navy, which is mm, uh, mm. not the... I guess they call... Because we always joke with the Marines and say that they're a d- branch of the Navy, and they say they're the men's department, and that's actually pretty <laughs> true. <laughs> if you look at his... If you combine his experience to my experience, like mm-hmm. that discipline and all the other stuff that he, he talks about, like, yeah, I went the Navy route and submarines specifically, so that wouldn't be as much of an issue. because <laughs> mm-hmm. things are a lot more lax when you're just locked up underwater for three months. Yeah.
2: But um, how do how do you find? Um, I mean, you, you, obviously, you're getting him on as a regular these days. Um, yeah, yeah, we do you're that Wednesday. Show. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, the Wednesday show. He's um, he's great, isn't it? And it's not like that discipline is mm-hmm. really what traders need, isn't it? It's not.
1: Yeah,
2: it's not something that you can. Uh, he was talking about flexibility, wasn't it, or adaptability? Adaptability. And, yes. Yeah, when you're trading, you come up with this idea. You work out this analysis that you think and you've back tested it and then you it's going to work and it might work i think you were talking about it, it might work for three months or something then suddenly it stops working it suddenly and something changes yeah yeah something changes and it's about the adaptability um, it's about approaching it like a military op- operation. It's about cutting your losses, which is something I want to talk about. Cut your losses, cut your losses, <laughs> cut your losses. <laughs> the market's going to be open here in about half an hour and I need to cut some losses today already. Oh, and, no. Uh, yeah. Well, but uh, having well, that should, discipline, yeah.
1: I was say, You should feel really uh, um, special that Eric agreed to do your show because he is extremely selective about the people that he collaborates with. Oh, really? Oh, that's nice to hear. Yes. But we got on he very says well. He no to a, a lot of people.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think um, maybe he's got um, some warm and moist feelings towards Australia, having spent time in Australia on some military operations as well.
1: Oh, when did you talk to him? I, I think I missed that episode.
2: Um, oh, I was a while ago now. Um, oh, did you want to find out when I spoke to him?
1: Well, because yeah, I want to go listen to it since we're
2: done. Um, well, it's on stocks for beginners. Stocks
1: are It's uh, okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll um, link that one in the episode description. People like Eric around here, too.
2: Yeah. He's a man. He's a great guy. I love, love his attitude. We would have done it around about um,
1: February. Yeah. What did you guys talk about?
2: Um, we talked about um, discipline, trading. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll have to think about that again. I, you know what it's like. You talk to so many people. <laughs> <I know. laughs> what did you talk about? <laughs> uh, we talked about stocks.
1: <laughs> I like stocks.
2: <laughs> do you?
1: <laughs> how often do you find yourself when you're like just finished editing an episode and you got to write the mm. episode description, trying to remember mm. what the fuck you just talked about?
2: Ah, <laughs> uh, no, but I, I always get an output a trans, transcript, so I'm working from the transcript all the time. Yeah. Oh,
1: I quit doing that. I should probably go back to that. That might make it a lot easier. Mm, yeah,
2: it does. And I think um, Zencaster which we're on now, will
1: spit out a transcript automatically. It does. Yeah. Mm, Although mm. I think I'd cancel that subscription because we weren't using it anymore. <laughs> oh, right. Oh, you're not recording in MP3, not WAV format, are you? <laughs> um, It should be in WAV. We might have switched yeah, yeah, to MP3 yeah. just to make it easier. I don't remember. Just teasing. Just teasing. <laughs> yeah, that's um, right. You were an audiophile, aren't you?
2: Uh, well, I'm an audio engineer. That's. I mean, I still do audio recordings as my... I'm not sure if it's a side hustle, main hustle, or what at the moment, you know. Right. It's right. <laughs> um, st- straight after this interview, I've got to edit some, um, Oh, I've recorded some messages in some indigenous Aboriginal languages from Western Australia, which is an interesting oh, really? project. Mm, yeah.
1: Okay. I know this is supposed to be a trading stock market podcast, but I <laughs> want to know more about that. Really? Do you, do you want to hear yeah, it? Yeah, I do. Yeah. What's, uh, is this uh, like a documentation thing, like trying to make sure that you capture these sounds before no. it's gone? Or
2: No, no, no. These are government messages that are going to remote communities. Um, they're Uh-oh. often health messages sponsored by um, the WA government or the federal government. Um, this particular one's about hearing, going to get hearing checked. Um, I, I mean, I kind of fell into this space about 30 years ago where I record... Um, voiceovers in many languages. Um, mm-hmm. So like this week, for example, um, I've been recording Qantas in-flight messages in about eight languages. You know, when you get on the plane mm-hmm. and you get that yeah. safety video. And you Mind can listen the gap to it.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
2: This is where the exits are and all of that. Yeah. Uh, and I've been recording that in languages. And then it's also morphed into doing australian aboriginal languages and um, we're recording about 22 different languages oh wow and yeah so um do you speak 22 different languages or do you no 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 there's an expert there. although okay. I've, been, I've been learning quite a bit of um oh, which is because maru is like the people and wanka is language so mm-hmm. you know this is the language of the people is that uh, language so it's funny because when i listening to the audio now there's a couple of words when i think oh that's where the word message is you know or talking is (laughs) madu wanka
1: yeah yeah that's something Um, i enjoyed a lot in high school when we were doing through uh, latin like learning like mm. the latin word roots of of all the the english words that we use like the history of like how a word came to be i always found fascinating Mm, mm. the etymology i think is the word right
2: that's right yeah yeah actually there's a great one of my favorite podcasts is the history of english podcast which um i think the guy started it in 2013 and thought he'd maybe get a year's worth of episodes out of it and it's oh. still going and we've only just done shakespeare
1: <laughs> oh jesus yeah oh it's great i love that english podcast. is such a crazy language uh, yeah like, i remember listening to someone talk about this concept which like if you the the tweet actually kind of ties this up nicely that you were talking about earlier, like trying mm-hmm. to sound like you're from the 980s. Mm. And if you actually saw what English looked like from that time period, you would not be able to read it. But that's right, yeah. Other languages don't have nearly as much change. As, mm. like, as, They're much purer. Uh, yeah, yeah. They've been mm. they've been consistent for longer because I guess they don't have a history of being conquered like England had for yeah. centuries.
2: Well, do you know about um, Proto Indo-European? Proto indo Europe? no. Um, just about every uh, language in Europe, apart from Finnish and uh, Hungarian, come from the same language family. And really? they also relate to um, Sanskrit and the Hindi language in India, and they've all got the really? same roots. Yeah, yeah. And um, apparently it's, I, I'm no historian here, but apparently it's to do with the development of the chariot, and the chariot meant that the people who had the chariots were able to spread, spread their language far and wide.
1: Right. And you have and, to be able to speak their language in order to buy their chariots. <laughs> <laughs> or or, or you, you learn, when those chariots are
2: heading towards you, you learn their language pretty quickly.
1: <laughs> you may not have a choice. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll speak Proto-Indo-European. And, um, but when they, when they hit Europe and they hit the, the Carpathian Mountains, some of the mm-hmm. chariot uh, riders went north. And that's where the Germanic languages developed from. And the, some went south, and that's where the Greek and Latin languages developed from. And then these roots all, again, combined a couple of centuries later into what we now know as English and what we are speaking here. That's crazy. Apparently okay.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, Fuck. Yeah, okay. I'm going to learn more about that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, I, we should be talking no, about but- investing, trading, anything. I don't, I don't know. Ah, we'll just slap an after-hours
2: label on this and I mean, just talk okay, about Okay, we're, we're after-hours. Like. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad I, <laughs> glad I uh, togged off for this episode. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> hey, have we talked about Miss America? No. No. When was the last time I even watched that? Well, this is what I can't believe. It seems to have been s- s- something that's um, fallen off the cultural radar, so much so that the current Miss America only has 2,623 followers on Twitter. And she seems like a lovely person, and she's a nuclear engineering student. She's going to go into the nuclear industry. So I I think I'd like to start a movement where we support Grace, I don't know how to pronounce it, Stank, Stanker, Stanky, who's Miss America (laughs) 2023, nuclear engineering student, and let's... Um, all follow her because she's going to make a better future with nuclear power.
1: I am a big fan of nuclear power, as that mm-hmm. is my background from the military. Oh, really? Uh, is
2: that yes. uh, so? You want nuclear powered submarines or something?
1: Yep. I was an uh, electrician's mate, nuclear qualified. Mm. Mm. So, got to run the, the power plant, do all the maintenance on the uh, switch gears and motor generator sets and all that fun stuff. Wow, and you've still only got one head. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, actually, when you're uh, underway, like you yeah. still have uh, dosimeters that you use to like monitor your mm, exposure, mm. but you get significantly less radiation exposure underway than you do uh, when you're in port. Oh, that's because the cosmic background radiation is so strong. <laughs> that yeah, the, yeah. With the ocean shielding you from that, like instead of like you get exposed to like two to three hundred milli or something like in a month. Mm-hmm outside and under the sub like we were getting maybe four to five milligram yeah yeah so it's actually significantly oh. less exposure
2: oh and, and eric talks negatively about the the I navy <laughs>
1: <laughs> i remember uh, i remember a new guy we pulled into the um what was it hawaii i think mm-hmm. um to for a port call and we didn't get to spend much time there we we're just there to, to fix something so we get like every shift got like 12 hours um in port Mm. Uh, we ended up spending our time at a little pool that we found. I I don't even know I don't even know whose pool it was. To be honest with you, I think we just found a pool and went and swam in it. <laughs> but I came back and I was you're, so the, you're sunburned. the military. You could go wherever the fuck you want. But <laughs> <Yeah, right. laughs> I got back to the boat. I was so sunburned. And this uh, newer guy is a radio man. Uh, call him Coners because they're in the front of the boat, the cone of the ship. Mm. And he asked me if I got you know a little sun while I was out on port call. I was like, no. I got real serious and scared, and I looked at him, and I said, no, they made me go do an emergency repair in the reactor. So does it look bad? <laughs> uh, I thought he was going to pass out. <laughs> yeah, it
2: was volunteer-only one of those operations, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, right. We need a volunteer. We may not
1: come back. <laughs> oh, look at his face. Oh, is it bad? <laughs> uh, Gracie, okay. So, yes, I am giving her a follow right now.
2: Mm-hmm. And, um, if we can spread the word.
1: Oh, she's, uh, well, it depends. Are you talking about her, her profile or the Miss America one? Cause Miss America itself is 69,000 followers or 67,000.
2: No, no. I'm talking about her personal
1: following. Wow, well, yeah, Christ. Grace. I, mean, I got to find that one.
2: S T A N K E Miss America 2023.
1: That's, that's actually the name of the, uh, escape, uh, hoods that you wear when you're trying to, uh. uh Abandon a submarine in an emergency. It's a stanky hood he put on. Maybe she's a joke. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I've been fooled all along. Well, I mean, I think Miss America kind of died off because wasn't like Trump like the biggest sponsor of that for the longest time? And I thought he was Miss Universe. Oh, I think possibly. you're right. Okay. Was he Miss yeah, Universe? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean,
2: it's got to be bigger. Than- it's got to be the whole universe, not just Earth when it comes to Donald.
1: Yeah, that's pretty... Uh- it's pretty self centered of us to assume that we're the center of the universe. That's right.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> we need the beauties from Beetlejuice to right?
2: come and uh, compete as oh, well. God, I love that you know that <laughs> <a> star. <laughs> well, it was a movie. Oh, I was yeah, just a, <laughs> In my mind, I was reaching around for a star. star. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Beetlejuice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So uh,
1: serious. 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 Yes. Star. That's the North Star, mm.
2: isn't it? The brightest star in the
1: sky, I believe. Which one's the North star? Oh, that's Polaris. Polaris. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I got a telescope one year for Christmas. And Mm, man, the joy of finding Jupiter for the first time and actually like seeing the moons. Ah. Mm, mm. And I don't know if you saw, but actually we had the Northern Lights visible down here. Um, Like we're in the middle of Illinois.
2: That far south. Uh,
1: it, It was supposedly visible all the way down to like Alabama. Um, there was like a major solar wow. storm about a month ago.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, didn't hear it. I about
1: stayed that. up to try to see it. I didn't see shit. Um <laughs> I didn't yeah. I didn't stay up all Too night. Too much though.
2: light light pollution or- I don't
1: know if it was that. Like it just looked brighter and to the north mm-hmm. than usual. Mm-hmm. I didn't see any of the yeah. cool greens or any of that stuff that I was, you know, hoping to. But it could have been one of those scenarios where like you just get like flashes of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Like anytime yeah. they talk about meteor showers, mm-hmm. you go out looking like, you're going to see a bunch of cool shit, and it's like, you know, streak every five minutes. Like, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we get the, I think, do you get the Leonid showers? Is that in the Northern Hemisphere as well? I know, well? I'm not sure. Do we get the same meteor showers in the south, the Southern Hemisphere? I don't see
1: why we wouldn't. Would I we? think
2: they might. Well, because we're pointing at different parts of the sky, um, especially at different times of the year as yeah, well. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Any astronomers I listening? I know, right?
1: Please. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going into that rabbit hole.
0: <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
1: What else has been going on?
2: Well, I've been, um, I wouldn't say trading, um, but I have been working with a new, system's the wrong word, methodology, I guess you'd call it. Um, on the Australian version of the podcast. uh, Just to clarify, I've got Shares for Beginners, which is targeted at um, Australia, and then um, Stocks for Beginners, which is targeted to everywhere else in the world and the universe, hopefully.
1: Yeah, that's the one that's eaten into our market share.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know, we're we're such fierce competitors, obviously. I know. And yeah, anyway, there's been this guest, he's been on the podcast for a long time, Tony Kynaston, and he's got a it's called QAV, quality at value. And I hate to call it a system. It's a methodology. I mean, he's not actually making money out of it because Mm -hmm. he's made so much money and he's just kind of semi-retired playing golf. He owns racehorses and things like that. Mm -hmm. But he wants to share what he's done. And he's one of his mates is a podcaster and they started doing a podcast together where he's teaching his method. And it's basically to do with a um, uh, value investing Mm -hmm. and uh, fundamental analysis. And uh, it's this long, 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 long spreadsheet um, I think there's about 20 columns in it, and um, it's weighting certain factors in the valuation of a company. Um, and then it's there's a stop loss as well, like it's a 10%. Mm-hmm. If it drops 10%, you're just out straight away for risk management. Or if the stock is commodity based, if the commodity becomes a sell, then you sell out of the stock because, you know, as commodity ah, based businesses sense. are always. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because they're always at the the mercy of the underlying commodity affecting their share price. Anyway, so there's the the full blown version, and um, I actually, uh, it's one of my affiliate marketing partners, and so I, a lot of listeners, and I've met some listeners who've listened to my podcast and then they've gone over to QAV because it's a very just very mm-hmm. sensible. Um, and a lot of the people now are much better at spreadsheets than Tony ever was. So <laughs> there's this community who are working on this spreadsheet. Right, right. <laughs> um, but that's the full-blown version, the club version, but they've got a, a light version now as well, And because I don't have the time, mm-hmm. you know, between doing recordings, podcasting, and, you know, just trying to keep bread on the table and the roof over our heads. I know, right. I don't have time to do the kind of research that's required to do this. So the light version means that they basically – give you an email and say, okay, this is on the buy list, this is on the sell list, and you just start working it. And I didn't think it was going to be like trading, but it is a little bit like trading because there's been so – the market's been a little bit up and down recently and there've been a lot of stop losses triggered. So um, you've got to try and build up – basically a, a portfolio of about 15 to 20 stocks mm-hmm. uh, which you hold on to and then slowly it's we treat it like weeding the garden you know if something's uh, not going well you take it out and replace it with someone something else until you end up with uh, a portfolio of stocks that you're happy to do so at That's the moment
1: buffett talks about a lot uh, I, th- I think it was buffett when he talks about weed in your portfolio mm. at, like so many mm. people cut the roses and try mm. to keep the weeds
2: yeah So it's been really good to be able to work with this discipline. And Mm -hmm. I I think we've only got six stocks in our portfolio at the moment because so many have become cells. Mm. But one of them, and, you know, one started – running. And I think it's still up 60%. Is it NVIDIA? And, and, no, 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 no. It's, a gold, it's a, an, an Aussie gold mine. They're all Aussie shares, ah. although oh, they okay. are working okay. they are working on um, making a US-based version of this system, which hopefully we can introduce within the year as well, which is very interesting. Oh, that'd be really cool. Yeah, yeah. Be yeah interesting. Be I don't know this. much
1: about value investing or fundamental mm. analysis. I've focused mostly on technical over the last You know, three years. Yes.
2: Yeah, that's right. Um, There is one technical indicator that they used, and I may have mentioned this on the last time I was on the podcast, but it's basically, if I can describe something that's visual in words, Mm -hmm. it's a five-year chart on a monthly time, you know, not not five minutes, but monthly. And basically you draw, like if, if the stock's gone down, you draw the line between the two highest points. Yeah. And when it crosses that line uh, upward, that means, well, it's possibly a buy. And then the opposite as well on, on the sell side of things. Yeah, so that's,
1: anyway, getting it's back to that. just trend lines and, yeah. uh, and support resistances. Yeah. Uh, you can do that on any time frame too, by the way. Markets are fractals, so those yep. those same patterns and mm-hmm. those same support resistance, they become less strong the more dialed in to the time mm. frame you become. Like a five-minute trend line is not going to be nearly as strong mm. as a monthly. Yeah makes sense to can you say fractal Fractal, yeah
2: can you say I fractal <laughs> again?
1: Fractal. that means that the same I when like you look that. at a monthly chart and you see a pattern on there you can yeah zoom in on one candle and see the same patterns and see them play out and interact the same way
2: mm-hmm. i know markets are just like um what is that that's chaos theory isn't it uh yeah i mean what do they say yeah there was a book about about the butterfly wings in the amazon yeah and yeah, can yeah start a hurricane in the atlantic and yeah, but um, and that's the thing. It's like um, everything from the smallest, uh, when you're looking at something at the smallest level to the greatest level. Uh, what's it like algae's got the same structure as trees, for example. Mm. Anyway, uh, we shouldn't get too much into that. Well, <laughs> a little. Yeah, uh, we're up. just enjoying chatting so much. That <laughs> I was interested. <laughs> anyway, but um, so yeah, I've been using that, but it's just been great to have that support and discipline. And I'm oh, sorry, I was going to say with this one stock that mm-hmm. ran. Um, I, I think it's up sixty percent. It's sort of like, well, should we be selling? And the answer I got back is, well, why would you bench Michael Jordan? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's that's one of the things, and it's for traders as well. You know, you've got to let your winners run. Is, is that the case with trading as well? That seems to be one of the.
1: Well, there's. I think that new traders have a tendency to aim for home runs too mm, much, mm. and I went through this myself, where they shoot for the fences they shoot for the stars they don't pay themselves and then you end up getting what's called upstuck mm. where you were up three hundred dollars and then it comes back down to two hundred dollars in profit and then you thought in your head you're thinking i'm down mm. a hundred then you mm. don't want to sell because you had three hundred and you want to get that back so you you tell yourself oh i'll, I'll sell it when it gets back to three hundred mm. and then what ends up happening is it goes back up there and you don't sell it because why would you sell it it's going up <laughs> mm. eventually you end up turning what what is be you know a nice win into usually a full loss because it just ends up reversing on you and you refuse to take profit because you're constantly thinking about what you could have had, not what <laughs> yeah. you can get now.
2: Yeah, yeah. And that's part of it is the psychology, isn't it?
1: Yes, uh, and yeah. that's what most of trading is about is just understanding who you are, your tendencies, and how to work with them uh, mm. to and minimize your weaknesses.
2: Mm-hmm. So would you um, use a, a trailing stop loss in that situation?
1: What I like to do with um, – when I have a good trade and I get a good entry, I take off at certain risk-to-reward ratios. Mm. So if my mm. stop is like on a stock, if it was a $5 stop, then I'd want my first take profit to be somewhere around 2 to $1. So $10 profit. Mm-hmm. I'll get paid there. Then I'll go to break-even on my uh, the rest of my position, and I'll let a small piece of that run, like a third, to see if mm. I can get more out of it. And then I, I like to trail the stops manually looking at support resistances along the move as it moves up Mm -hmm. so when you look at those pullbacks when it kind of comes off from those peaks you just you can just stick your stop you know a couple points below that just to give you a little room in case it slips as it gets close to it but in theory if it's going to continue running then you should be holding those as support for the next move up the continuation moves
2: Mm. so are you using that because i've seen these Formulas that you can um, find on uh, anywhere on the internet is about um, mm-hmm. the risk reward ratio. Yeah, so you you work out. Okay, I'm gonna if I get in this, this price, if it goes down, I don't know five percent, I'm out. But if it goes up, I twenty percent, I'm out. And so you can you use it as a statistical kind of
1: right. Tool exactly. To, this is all about yeah. this is all about trying to get as many hits as you can. Right.
2: Mm. And I think Eric was talking about forty percent is kind of the um, the success rate that most people would be looking for
1: uh, for your trades to work out, yeah, forty percent is a sustainable. Yeah.
2: The number out of the number of trades, yeah, trades,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. If you win forty percent of your trades and you use a good, if you have good risk reward principles, you should be able to make a fortune. with, yeah. with yeah. that, if it's sustainable, <laughs> 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 it's it's the the aspect that most people don't think about or consider when they're thinking about how to make more money in the stock market is how to lose less. Mm, mm. That's something that George was really good at, uh, stressing when we first talked to him, mm. uh, George from trade pro Academy since mm-hmm. retired, but that was something he was a big proponent of. You can either make more money or you can lose less money. Mm, mm. Those are your two paths to increasing your profitability.
2: Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's good to have it uh, distilled into that kind of, uh, few words,
1: isn't it? Yeah. But, uh, I know it's, it's, it's tough. That it is, <laughs> it's it tough is. To, to yeah to, to implement. To do it consistently, right? Yeah, yeah,
2: and and that's it. I mean, that's why people are like Erica so valuable to have around to be able to talk to that sort of thing, and and also um, by using this QAV system that I'm using, I just sort of mm-hmm. I just go okay, I'm just all in here. I'm and you know, this is not my whole portfolio. You know, that's, and this is the other important thing is you just. You don't put your whole portfolio into something. To try oh, out. You know, oh. you, you've got your long-term ETFs, you know, dividend reinvestment, blah blah. Yep. And um, you try it out with some, but just to try this out and just to, I really have taken the emotion out of it. I feel now because I, really, well, it's about trust, and I really trust mm-hmm. Tony Kynaston because first of all, he's not doing this to make any money. He's just doing it because you know you, there's only so much time you can spend golfing and.
1: Playing with your yeah, race horses. Right. <laughs> yeah. And plus you want to feel like you're doing something you know, meaningful, yeah. helping people yeah. Yeah, that's right. achieve financial freedom is uh, one hell of a goal.
2: Mm, mm. And it's just also, like I mentioned, is that so many of my listeners have gone over to him and to mm-hmm. use the system. And, you know, they're kind of so thankful to me that they really feel like that there's a structure to their investing. And I know it's not trading as you like to look at it, but um,
1: it's... No, this is, that's that's mm. just good guidance, I think it sounds like for... People who want to be a little more active in their investing. Mm. call it active investing, I think, is the term I like to use.
2: Yeah. (laughs) It's funny, you know, because now I'm I'm so disciplined in following it. Like, I might be recording someone in Cantonese, for example, and I see an email Mm -hmm. come through with a cell on there, and I'm kind of like, well, I'm on my phone trying to... Um, sell the stock, <laughs> get the six-digit di- six code, enter the six-digit code, you know. Oh, right, right. Is it a market order or is it a limit order? <laughs> Yeah, that that was a that was a good take. Yeah, just do that that little bit again. You know, we need need the URL again.
1: (laughs) Sell, sell, sell. I have to close my charts whenever I do interviews, so I'm not tempted to (laughs) to start trading futures. Goddamn futures markets open 24 (laughs) seven.
2: But I I think you wanted to talk about trust because you've got trust issues, don't you?
1: I I think we all do, don't
2: we? (laughs) Um, Well, no, I think we we have issues with. undue trust in certain people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think what you'd mentioned was you're talking about fund managers before we hit the recording button here. I thought that was, that would be a fantastic conversation mm, mm. because you had an experience. I'll let you tell that. So I'm not stepping over you. Well,
2: trust, I think trust is one of those things that we rely on too much. And I'm, I'm just going to refer to a couple of guests here. One was, um, mm-hmm. a psychologist and his name is Stanley Tietelbaum. and. A retired psychologist, and um, his two things well, he's got many, many, many um, great lessons being a psychologist. But the first one being, Mm -hmm. catch your losses, catch your losses, catch your losses, and also how to lose risk management. Yeah, risk (laughs) management, and how to lose and how people end up trusting people too long. Mm hmm. And then that sort of brought me around to Gary Broad, who's another great Twitter contributor. And he's, been, he's become a semi-regular on my podcast, Gary underscore Broad on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about the funds management in- industry and the financial planning industry. And this is from a, a thread that he posted today um, about fund managers who take thousands of meetings a year, read countless investment letters and follow industry trends then Many of them throw that work away and invest where other allocators are investing. Their goal isn't to get you the best returns, it's to avoid being wrong alone. They think it's okay for them to lose your money as long as they do it in a brand name fund where others are invested. And right, that's
1: that's part oh, that's of, interesting, yeah, yeah.
2: And and again, we come wow. back to that thing about mutual funds. Um, so we call them managed funds here, so I might be um. You know, flipping between the two, mm-hmm. and the way people invest, and then the way fund the the way financial planners will be helping you to invest. Now, some financial planners are great, and they can help you curate some great stocks to be in and great investments. Yep, but others are just all they're there for is to take your phone call when the market's going down, and you to say to them, "Well, just just hang in there; the market will improve. The market always improves." You know, rather than having <laughs> anything to do with actively <laughs> right. managing the money.
1: I, the ones I've talked to, they, they some of the ones I've talked to have said their main goal is to keep you from doing something stupid. I know. Like, I yeah. know. Yeah. And I, I think that's what they want. They want you to just stay calm. Mm-hmm. It's the long haul. Don't yeah. make rash decisions just because the market's going down today. If you've got 20 years on your horizon, then you don't need to be selling out now.
2: Mm-hmm. But then um, there's many opportunities that you miss because you remain You're fully right. invested through these periods. Right, right, uh, and not be able to take advantage of um, getting in when the market is down to turbocharge your
1: returns. But you made a great point that you can't be wrong alone. Yes, yes. And, well, that's Gary. And, that's but, Gary's point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it makes perfect sense, especially in the world of you know finance and the stock mm. markets, where you're going to be wrong. It's just the nature of the game. The goal is to. The goal is to have good risk controls, though, so that way, though, when you are wrong, it doesn't bankrupt you.
2: Mm-hmm. But, but it, I mean, it's hard for these fundies as well. We call them fundies here mm-hmm. in Australia, fund managers, and that sounds like a fun term. <laughs> um, but it's so difficult for them. First of all, they like, you know they can only invest in a limited uh, a limited universe of stocks because of their mandates. They can't get mm-hmm. into anything small because they, they've just got too much money to invest, um, right and you know so they they would just if they tried to get a smaller stock uh, they would just blow the price out of the water because
1: they okay. <laughs> they just got too much or bulk to of money or completely dist- <laughs> completely destroy it when they try to sell it <laughs> yeah yeah
2: but then th- that that sort of brought me to thinking about trust and my poor experience with a uh, stockbroker um who I was with mm-hmm. for, for 10 years until I started making this podcast and understanding more about the industry i mean um, I mean, I can't believe that I started this podcast and I didn't even know what an ETF was. <laughs> and the right. this stockbroker, he was just enabling my stupidity and idiocy and just thinking, oh, you know, I can just pick a stock and I'll make money out of it, you know. Let's buy this, you know. Right. I mean, right. if only he had just done some basic education with me and said, well, look, let's put, you know, 80% of your money in a long-term ETF or an index fund, and then, you know, we'll play around on the sides. But no, you know, because he is making money out of my uh, brokerage and every time I traded, he had no incentive Mm -hmm. whatsoever to do that. And I I just sort of look back at that and I think, you know, I got taken out to some nice lunches and I I just think, what an
1: idiot I was. let me ask you this. Yeah. Like, how did you get put in touch with them? Like, was it a friend's recommendation or...?
2: Um, I found them. Mis- I found them myself. Um, I mean, it's one of those stories. Oh, you know, this stockbroking firm has been around for 130 years, and um, they're solid and they're conservative.
1: <laughs> right, right. You
2: know, falling for the marketing that old marketing
1: shtick. Well, I mean, when when you talk about trust, the, the what I was thinking of was like how often we get money advice from people who aren't qualified to give it to us. Oh, okay. Like yeah. How many? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of people that when they they get a financial planner, they go to their friends for recommendations, but their friends don't know any more than they do. Mm. Just, do you like the guy? Yeah. Okay. I'll trust him. Mm-hmm. That, that's, the, that's the amount of research that people do. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of insane to me, mm. but I mean, it just speaks to, speaks to our ignorance. I mean, like I wasn't too far removed from making mistakes like that. Like, yeah, probably not Probably much uh, much more recent than fifteen years in my case. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's.
2: Um, I think this is for me. This is one of the areas that robo advice, which is a terrible name by the way. It's really just mm-hmm. online investment advice. Is really the term, but it, that kind of is meaningless. I, I think they've got to work out a, a marketing with a marketing team what the best <laughs> term is. <But> however, <laughs> you can now go and um, just. Punch in a few figures about yourself and what you like, and your stage in life, and all of that, and it'll spit out a, a low cost portfolio for you. Mm-hmm. And it's again, it's like um, you like someone. Um, I went through this exercise with my mother um, late last year, where her financial planner, who she's been with for years, she loves him. He's a lovely man. He comes around and talks to her and tells her tells her what he's been doing, and mm-hmm. uh, he retired, and so it went. To another financial planner, where they had to reissue all of the details about the about the investments, but more more importantly, mm-hmm. is the cost of managing those investments. And now that, of course, armed with a bit more knowledge, you know, I could would say to them, "Well, you know, how can we get the costs down?" And um, while we would have liked to have taken it away and maybe you know managed ourselves, you know, that would never have right. f- right. flown with my mother. Um, <laughs> we were we were able to negotiate because there is. When you've got a financial planner, there's three sets of fees that are involved here in Australia. I mean, it's most probably going to be something very similar in the States. But we were able to um, reduce the fees of each of those levels to the state where it was like 2% a year previously for being invested in quite high risk investments, I might add.
1: <laughs> that's, um, that's massive. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Whereas now it's under wow. 1%. and. You know, at least they look after a lot of things that, you know, we don't have to worry about, right. like the social security or the pension that she gets and things like that. Anyway, but again, that's the story about trust. Oh, and the, the point about robo advice is, is that I was able in this situation to have a company who have sponsored my podcast and have been on the podcast, a robo-advice company. They give free appraisals of um, portfolios. And so they were able to help me to arm myself – In terms of what I needed to talk to with the financial advisor. Hmm. And again, this is where the trust comes into it, doesn't it? Is that people aren't lucky like us, so we can talk to um, experts in the investment field to help us out this way.
1: Right, right.
2: And again, they fall back onto that trust thing where they trust someone or they think this is a nice guy or this this person dresses beautifully, you know, I'll, I'll go with them. And mm-hmm. its I think it's just really, with a plethora of podcasts and YouTube videos and blogs and so forth about investing, if you're interested, I know not everyone's interested, you know, you can't be interested all the time, but you would presume that people listening to our podcast are mildly interested in this space. Right, right, that they right. can educate <laughs> themselves so they don't have to lean on blind trust.
1: One of the one of the coolest things I think somebody told us, and we're talking about how to pick a good financial planner, like some of the things, so red flags to watch out for. Mm. Uh, the number one thing he said was how happy their secretary is, or the person that greets you, the receptionist. Mm. Does she does she look like she's enjoying her job, or does she hate it there? And then also if mad money's playing on the, on the, uh, the screens, then definitely don't want to go there.
2: <laughs> well, again, uh, that episode I had with Stanley Teitelbaum, he had, um, a list of questions to ask your financial advisor. And, um, yeah, it's a great list of questions. I can share that with you and listeners if you'd like as well.
1: Yeah, please. Mm, yeah. Remind Which me, remind me to right do now. that right now. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, just, uh, what was the name of the the episode?
2: Um, well, there's two with, it's the first one with title bound. Anyway, I can send you the, um, the blog post.
1: Yeah. If you send me that, then I'll, uh, I'll get it in the episode description. So mm-hmm. people can check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Getting up to the end here. You got yeah. anything else to uh, um, uh, touch on before we wrap up?
2: I just, perhaps we should talk about that negative Apple podcasts review, because I know we're at the end of this episode. We're going to pe- ask people to like and review. And everything. And first of all, did you realize how hard it is to leave Wait. a review on Apple Podcasts?
1: Oh my God, it's such a pain in the ass. I ask all my guests to leave a review, yeah, and then yeah. they're like, how do I do that? And I'm like, fuck, I don't know how to tell you that. That's
2: terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. I, I didn't know I until know. a couple of weeks ago, and then I worked out. <laughs> work it out. Because when you have a negative review, of course you- Wait, you got a negative review or we did? No, no, I got a negative review. And it was, first of all, I had a um, uh, someone who was selling a trading system, Simon Ree. You might yeah. be interested in him on the podcast, but the, the listener was very miffed that I was promoting something like trading to beginner investors. And I understand that point, but I think that people just need to be introduced more to all of the availability and the whole way of the, that the markets work. You know, it's like why I talk yeah. about fixed income so much, which I think might bore people, but I find it fascinating that there's this whole other market out there that nobody <laughs> even hears about, which is 10 times larger or more than equity markets and has so much influence on it. You know, and right? just even being yes. aware of that is very valuable information.
1: Well, and then the other thing I would say to that is something that Eric talks about a lot. Why limit yourself? Mm. Mm. Like learn. I mean, there may be some things that maybe you want to incorporate in the way that you pick your investments. That's right. Just maybe, uh, yeah, because a little technical analysis, so you can get some better entries or, or be better informed about when to exit.
2: That's right, because I am not. Um, I don't um, subscribe to the religious wars between <laughs>
1: fundamental and uh, technical analysis. Me neither. I think there's a place for both.
2: There's a place for both, and it's really interesting and fascinating to talk about. And I think yeah. Eric was talking about candles as well, and, like, there's a whole discipline of candles, and then there's a whole discipline yeah. of um, patterns. Yep. And, and it's just, I mean, I know, I know people think of, think of it like reading the tea leaves, and it's not going to predict anything in the future, but it is such a great way to visualize the market you know it just takes everything out of it but and just mm-hmm. just even being able to look at a chart and say oh this stock is in a downtrend <laughs> it hasn't reversed right. yet don't <laughs> right. buy you know right. you, uh, whereas <laughs> you know when you first come into the market you're thinking oh if this stock's down 50 percent, it must be a buy
1: <laughs> right yeah it's got to go back up yeah, right? yeah it's got to go up just back up. there oh, yeah <laughs> One of the most fascinating things that I think learned in, in my journey was just how much emotions actually drive markets, mm, mm. the emotional aspect of it. The markets run on emotions. Mm, that's, mm. that's just how it works.
2: It is. It's, it's emotion. Well, it's emotions, but a lot, a lot of the weight of the big money. I, I was talking to a guest a couple of weeks ago about this because there was one particular stock that I had a holding in and it came up with an earnings upgrade and it was a cracker of an earnings upgrade. And as we're talking about it in a situation like this, the market opened and we said, okay, it's going to be up a huge amount today. And (laughs) we looked at it and it was flat. It hadn't moved an inch. And I don't think that was psychology. I think in that particular case, first of all- The expectations. The the expectations, there was an expectation that that was going to be coming because Mm -hmm. it was a, a steel stock. So any idiot can see that the price of steel- had been going up for a long right, time, right. even though it's, it's – and and it had since reversed in that time as well. Um, so there was no – anyone who was holding it, they might say, okay, we're going to hold on for a little while, but they're not going to buy any new positions in it because they know that the price of the steel, the underlying commodity that we spoke about before, was going down. And so mm-hmm. you can see that it's, it, is, it isn't just psychology, but even knowing that kind of information rather than being the idiot goes, Oh, you know, <laughs> let had a really good earnings up, right?
1: <laughs> let's go and buy I was it. Just, I was just talking to my mom uh, the other day. She was asking me if I thought the markets were going to crash. she talked mm. to the guy who used to manage her money. And he said he had moved all this stuff out of the markets because it's crash is coming and somebody else is telling her that. And I said, The more people that tell you the markets are going to crash, the less likely it is to happen. Mm, mm. Because if everybody's already sold, who's Mm -hmm. left to sell? Mm, Once mm. you sell, you're a buyer now. Mm. Once you buy, you're a seller. Because that's where your money is. That's the next thing you have to do. And that's that's how those earnings reports like that. Everyone gets excited about something where they think it's going to blow out. They all buy it Mm. beforehand. There's no one left to buy it. Who's going to buy it now? Everyone already did.
2: Although there's a couple of people that I really respect who see a a default, a debt default crisis on the way. There's just too much debt. Interest rates have gone up too fast. um, Mm -hmm. And there's going to be a lot of corporate debt that is going to be unsustainable. And we're going to see the mother of all debt crises coming up, which will affect, again, this is the fixed income market having such a profound effect on uh, equity markets. And we only saw a a small case of that a few weeks ago with the um, uh, Silicon Valley Bank core situation, you know. Yep. Um, but there's only so many banks that can be bailed out. Right.
1: Especially at <laughs> <of> that size. <laughs> the
2: U.S. government just doesn't have that amount of dosh. And Jamie Dimon. Right. You know, he might want to <laughs> acquire all of them, but, you know, he's not going to be able to afford to get all of them, let's face it. you know. <laughs> I
1: hope not. Mm.
2: <laughs> yeah. The last
1: thing we need is J.P. Morgan mm. yeah. running the country. <laughs> well, don't they already? I mean.
2: Isn't there a nexus I mean, I between they, them? At least they're not at Wall HSBC. Street and yeah. – Investment banks and the U.S. government and Treasury and I, I, I very I enjoyed your conversation about Janet Yellen because it's true. Oh it's, just, it's just I mean,
1: what are you people doing over there? Who are your elected
2: <laughs> officials?
1: We've got. Easily five more days than she said. In the worst case scenario, by my, my calculations. <laughs> I don't care. Get it done. Get it done. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, I don't understand how that whole budget thing works either. Like you planned the budget, didn't mm-hmm. you already know what you're going to spend? Why wasn't the debt limit raised then? Mm-hmm. Or is this all the overages? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, but
2: I, I think the uh, the idea that um, there's going to be a crisis coming if the debt limit. Um, is not passed by June first. I think that's a
1: bit. Oh of- God, yeah. I think there's definite weight to that, but I can't imagine. No, I
2: don't think there is. Very- I don't think there is weight to that at all. I mean, no, I mean, I'm just a little guy
1: here in Sydney, but you know, let me give you my expert view on this (laughs) i'm saying if they don't pass it there could be some major problems but the no i don't think i don't think i don't but i
2: don't think there would be even major problems if they didn't pass it no i I beg to differ kyle (laughs) why is that well this is what i'm reading again on Fintwit is that the u.s government is receiving about 300 billion dollars a month in taxes uh the debt is something like the the interest on the debt is 60 to 70 billion dollars a month so the debt can still be paid. They can yeah. s- slow down government a bit for a while and work out what they're doing. And to me, it seems like what they're arguing about is a, a slowdown in the rate of increase in government expenditure over 10 years. It's not like they're, right. you know, they're asking, um, was it Kevin McCarthy uh, is asking for wholesale cuts in government budgets, it seems like, no, well, mm. let's just slow down the pace of increase of government spending. <laughs> yeah. I, mm. And I know, there's a politi- I know there's a political divide here as well, and, um, you know, I don't want to
1: <laughs> get into well, that. As long as we rag on both sides equally, that's, uh, yeah, I think we yeah. can maintain our bipartisanship. Ah, well, that's, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> just, you have to make fun of everybody.
2: That's right, yeah, equal opportunity fun-making.
1: Exactly, exactly. No, that's a good point, because I do remember that being buried in that whole um, thing that Janet was talking about. It was like, yeah, we might be in trouble come June, but if we can make it through June, then there's incomes coming in in July. Basically, the U.S. is paycheck to paycheck right now. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Like the rest of the constituents. (laughs) But
2: still, I mean, the, the U.S. government has got $30 trillion in debt and a $1 trillion budget deficit. I mean,
1: yeah. Yeah, just sort of, but, but we also just print money too. So I don't know how that fucking works either.
2: <laughs> well, that's how they create money. That's where money is created. You got to get, right. some, you got to get some fixed income people on the podcast. It's so interesting to find out about how this works. You know,
1: I, I am afraid to dive into, I don't know if I need another thing to, <laughs> another rabbit hole <laughs> to, to fall into. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I got to do an options, uh, I'll deep dive next still. So mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, they're uh, they're so fascinating options, you know. Oh man, yeah, the option to lose money quickly.
2: <laughs> the history of options, even just the history of options, going back to you know the ancient Greeks and options over crops. You know, it's well wait, really? they're actually they're actually more like futures contracts and options. But to me, oh, they seem to saying. be very close. I don't know, maybe they maybe I'm just being an idiot again here, but um, it's just the the idea that a farmer might have a crop coming, and a speculator will mm-hmm. come in from the big city and say, "Well, look, here's." you know, what, what was the ancient um, Roman coin <laughs> denarii or something? Here's 500 uh, yeah, denarii yeah. for um, for your crop that I will take delivery of. And that speculator is thinks, you know, oh, I can see a shortage coming up um, at harvest time. Right. And uh, uh, the, the farmer gets certainty. They're happy about it. They, they might be missing out some income. But, um, yeah, so the idea of options and futures contracts go back a long, long way.
1: Well, it's interesting because that's kind of the whole point of futures, isn't it? Mm. Or wasn't mm. that like the original purpose of mm. like our futures market was for the the people who own their businesses to be able to have cost certainty and be able to sell their things into the future?
2: Well, I think it's the Chicago Board of Exchanges actual reason, reason for existence there
1: in Illinois. Right, right. Mm. Yep. Up in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've stood in front of the bull. Oh, have you? I, I must come over. Strong
2: testimony. must come over there. I haven't... <laughs> Speaking of which, I was I, with your manscaping uh, promo code. I tried the promo oh, code. God. I tried the promo code and didn't work. What is it again?
1: Wait, what? Two balls? Not two balls. Two, two balls. Two balls. Oh, that was my mistake. I U L. I don't know. I was just thinking manscaping. You know, it just seemed to fit in. Oh man, their products are really good. I was so surprised. I thought for sure it was going to be kind of a a lark, but I actually really enjoy the stuff they sent me.
2: Should we um, wind this up? Because I I need to get back to my
1: broker now because we've closed a position. Now we need to work out what we're going to (laughs) open. (laughs) That's exciting. All right, folks. Well, unfortunately, we have come to the end of our time with Phil, but it's okay. You can check out one of his many beginner podcasts, uh, or you can check out his website, sharesforbeginners.com. Make sure we have all those links in the episode description. Be back soon with another exciting episode. But in the meantime, pretend this is Thunderdome and your rating will determine which bull leaves. And I'd also like to end this episode in the traditional Aussie farewell. Uh, fuck off, you <laughs>
2: <laughs> But um, you're also going to say don't forget to rate and review the podcast and like and share because um, we need your help. If you like what you listen I mean, if you're still listening at this point, you must have gotten something
1: out of it. I hope so. Am I wrong? Either that or you're a glutton for punishment. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's right. And um, we were going to talk about the Nutbush as well, but, uh, well, I don't know, but uh, ah, well, Tina Turner. that just R. gives R. us a,
1: gives us a reason to do it again.
2: Yeah, that's right. R.I.P. Tina Turner. And Nutbush city limits. Not many people in the States know, but you can see the dance on Twitter. It's almost Australia's national dance. So as many said, I know you say Aussies, but it's, it's
1: Aussies. Aussies, Aussies. Yeah. yeah. Aussies, Aussie. no, not us, os- Aussies. Now, <laughs> does Nutbush have anything to do with Nutella?
2: Uh, No, no, nothing at all. I think it's just the the little town that um, Anna Mae Bullock, who became Tina Turner, came from.
1: Oh, I didn't know she was Aussie. (laughs) (laughs) Are you fucking with Uh, me? uh You dick. (laughs) Uh Sydney, Sydney, Alabama. Yeah, okay, okay, fair enough. (laughs) 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 All right, I think that's a good spot to end this. Thanks for listening to Stocks for Beginners. If you enjoy listening, please take a moment to rate or review in your podcast player. Or tell a friend who might want to learn more about investing for their future.
0: Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week.